Hi, and welcome to Sibling Sci-Fi Stories, where my little bro and I dive into one of our cherished pop culture genres, science fiction. I'm Mallory, Josh is seated beside me. How is everyone today? Just kidding, you can't actually answer. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are going to be discussing one of our definite joint favorites, I Am Legend. And one of the reasons why we wanted to cover this first is because it is both a book and a movie, so it's kind of a double header. And not only is it just a book and a movie, it could, I think it's one of the biggest examples of the book being different than the movie that's ever been. Agreed. Hashtag not <laughs> I think better. Mallory's a little saltier on that subject than I. I'm a little salty, but we'll get through my therapy session later on in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so first we want to just dive in more to the background of the novel. And not... Partially because the novel came first. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The novel. The novel. <laughs> but because really that's what Josh and I have always loved is the novel. That, that is, that's the story. That is the story. It, that, that is the story. Um, our version has, and I'm not sure if every version does, but our version has that. It's, you, it's a collection of stories from Richard Madison. Right, so it's a book that the first half is the I Am Legend book. And the second half is, I'd say, between eight and ten short stories that are like, you know, well, they, they were inspiration for Stephen King, so I'd say Stephen King-esque, but it's more like Stephen King is Richard Matheson-esque, yeah. you know? But it's a really great read, and I think that may be one of the reasons we're so into it, is you read this I Am Legend novel, and it's fantastic, and then you follow it up immediately after with all these little stories, and it just gives you kind of a vision of, like, who that author was, yeah. and it just made it so much better. And even the cover, you, they've got a picture of the vampires on the cover, and I don't know, it just gets me. It does. It. It's pretty spooky. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you read the book before I did, I even, did. which is shocking, because I'm Usually, a vampire nerd. very rarely do I well, recommend any media to her. It'll always be her recommending to me, so this was a special one. <laughs> I read a lot. <laughs> Top hobbies. When What made you first want to... Give me the book, like when you're like. You're I think like I this. recognized it as something that you would just absolutely love. I mean, I think I picked it up probably because the movie was coming out at the time, and then I read I read it and I realized that it's just so different than the movie, and I think I got so excited by that, and especially since she has such an affinity for the whole vampire trope, it just was like she has to read it, and then you know obviously she just absolutely loved it as well as those other short stories. You know, it's. He just tells such a great story in his little style. I'm sure we'll cover that in a bit. How different it is that they chose to film the movie. You know, it's just such a completely different style. Mm -hmm. It covers a lot of... It covers our two favorites that we discussed in our first podcast of our favorite things, um, our favorite elements of sci-fi. So yours, you said, was that, you know, scoped-in story told by one individual. Right. It's and this, it is told by one individual. It's this world... In, in flames, this catastrophe has happened, but it's told through the vision of one man. One man's story in one city, in, in the case of the book, in one house, and that's it. And it's just so cool that you can explore this giant universe where there's just this absolute apocalypse happening through the eyes of one person. And then aside from the vampires, it's also one of uses my one of my favorite elements, which is time, because I believe the time period was like the 70s, but it's post-apocalyptic. 
So it, it kind of messes with that idea of time with, you know, when you're reading it, which fascinates me. So right. it definitely clicked beyond my vampire obsession. It clicked right. with me as well. Immediately the vampires dropped, drew her in <laughs> and then it only got Common better. theme of everything. <laughs> so in the novel, we mentioned it's one lens, but it really is very, um, it's diary entry style. It's very much written in that form, while as other ones that you like the one focused character, it's not as, di I mean, this is really his, his journal, his diary entries. It really, and I think that is the biggest, like, difference between the movie and the book, is the movie feels so open, I guess. He's constantly exploring, he's going through the city, he's searching to kill these beasts when they were, when they kind of mess with him with the mannequins in the movie. In the case of the novel, it is so, I, the word I want to use is claustrophobic. He has walled himself inside his house. You're reading these through almost diary-like entries that he's like scribbling out as he's like, you know, simultaneously struggling with surviving and being stuck in this house. Mm -hmm. It's just insane. It's the farthest he goes is like little, you know, delves into other, these houses to kill some of these vampires at night. But it's so local, it feels like he's just stuck there. Mm -hmm. And I think that was almost what was drew you in so much, was you feel like you're just in his shoes, like you're cemented into his story. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who haven't read it, a little summary without giving any spoilers is it's an even though it's um, 1970s, I believe, era, it's post-apocalyptic. And the world's been taken over by vampires. So we see a lot of, sci in sci-fi, we see a lot of zombies. And there's vampires for sure. But when you think of world takeover, it's usually like aliens or zombies. <laughs> and this is one where vampires take over the world. So he is walled into his house. And I think one of the most important things, not only the claustrophobia of it, but the more animalistic rawness of it because he isn't using technology as you would maybe see in sci-fi. He's whittling away at wooden spikes. He's boarding up his house with wood. It's very different from what He's you normally see. He's getting drunk and listening to records to cool him down. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not what you would normally see in a, in a sci-fi novel. And I think that makes it more powerful and gives it an edge on other, other sci-fi novels because... It is so raw, yet it still fits the genre. So he's claustrophobic in his house, tr just trying to survive. At night, he will go scavenge to try to kill some and make himself savor. But the problem, or during the day, not right? Yeah. Yeah, during the day. <laughs> what are we talking about? But that's a huge thing. We're in screwing the book, up our own lore. It's like, obviously, the night and day is different right. between these two societies that he was used to. You yes. Know, these so vampires, during the day. They live at night. So during the day, he's, you know, trying to kill some of them, but at night he is trapped in his house. And one thing that's really interesting about this novel is that these vampires are completely um, comprehensive. Like, they are not dumb, they're not, you know. And that is so, that is so what I think turned me off of the movie the most was, like you said, this isn't zombies. Right. And the book was written... And I guess the greater theme without giving spoilers away is that, yes, these vampires have taken over the world, but they haven't taken over the world like zombies wandering around eating brains. They're sophisticated, and they have a society. And they, I wouldn't say sophisticated. I do remember him looking through a peephole and well, having one flash him. That her, is true. Like, vagina, but, not even her boobs. But like, <laughs> he has this neighbor that taunts him and, yes, they and taunt, says these they terrible things to him. And, 
and they're intelligent. And that makes the biggest difference. That just changes the story completely. As opposed to the movie, they're basically zombies. They're basically zombies. They're basically zombies. And that was so confusing to read this book. And, and the stories, I mean, really and truly the climax of the story, which I won't give away, is about the fact that they're not zombies. They're intelligent. That's mm-hmm. the point. And then to see this movie where it's just almost another zombie flick was like, man, that's... Uh, it didn't seem quite right. And I think that's why Mallory and I, especially Mallory, really, truly appreciate the book more. We wish there would be kind of a more true-to-form version that would get made into a movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge stickler on that kind of stuff because, obviously, when you have books like Harry Potter, you're not going to fit every single detail that everyone loves into a movie. It's just impossible. But when they take a, a novel or any kind of written work and make it a movie... And, you know, I can handle Hollywoodizing things or over-romanticizing it, but when they completely change the the, story, the the complete content, the actual characters, basically, the entire, the scenery, that literally everything was changed, just name it something else. Uh, Aragon, I don't know if anyone listening is a fan of the Aragon series, but they did a movie for the series. I absolutely love them. It's kind of like a Lord of the Rings-esque more fantasy, but they took the first two books, turned them into one movie, created a villain that didn't like have the powers that they portrayed him with. It was just so wrong. And it was like, why would you even name this movie the same as that book? The story is different. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the hardest part for us. Not to say, honestly, I enjoyed I Am Legend as a movie, but we just think it, was, it, it I should mean, have just been called something else. It should have been. I mean, that, it was hard because... You Will know, Smith is all alone. Yeah. <laughs> that's, they should just call it that. <laughs> Will Smith is alone. <laughs> Will Smith versus zombies. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I, I love Will Smith. No, I, it's not hating on Will Smith. Adore Will Smith. If anything, he's the only reason the movie was good. I totally agree with that. <laughs> totally agree with that. But, and, you know, while I'm super angry about the movie when... The dog dies. Oh my god! I was so mad. I almost turned it off at that Heartbreaking. point. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Just rude. Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to do that, that wasn't in any book. Anything. Why did we have to do that? Yeah, I was pretty pissed about that. But I was. I was more. The the bitter taste in my mouth was more throughout the whole movie that it was just. I, sure you maybe you wanted to get some exposure from using that name, but to me that's I am Legend. The novel is an example of a novel that, while to writers, to Stephen King, to people that were influenced by it, it is a monumental work of sci-fi art but to the average person they haven't even heard of it so it's like they weren't really using it for you know sticker price to make it look good it's not what was the point what was the point honestly i think my biggest gripe with it is i absolutely hate touchy feely endings can't stand them i love and i'm not saying i want like a ending at the end of like I don't know, a movie like The Perfect Storm where, like, fucking everybody dies. <laughs> That's yeah. not fun either. No. But I like when, like, the ending maybe has a bit of sadness or turmoil or something that isn't just like, yeah, everything's great now, and that's the end of the story. It doesn't feel satisfying to me because it feels, like, manufactured. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the reason I didn't like the movie the most is, again, not to spoil it, but it has this overly positive ending. Like, everything's going to be okay, and I guess a lot of people want that, but for me, the book itself, like the book just makes you accept 
what the reality they portray, like the reality that they built in that book, at the end it's like, there, accept it. The, the, your main character is forced to accept this reality. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it just makes it more real. It like elucidates more emotion than just everything's fine now. Mm-hmm. I hate that. So I think really that was my biggest gripe with the movie more than anything is they, they just changed all the content to the point where the ending was absolutely different, even yeah. the feel of it. And I feel like that's common in all themes of sci-fi because not only is you know, fiction, fantasy, so many things can happen. But scientific things, nothing's ever perfect. Nothing ever just works out. There's always something Shit else at play. Really bad. Right. <laughs> Even in the most happy endings of the majority of sci-fi works, there's something else there. It's not like, I think that is why we both love sci-fi too. There's usually not a pretty little bow at the end of any sci-fi exactly. work. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. And I... I can't stand that bow. Mm-hmm. I can't stand the ni- nice, neat bow they tie on so many stories. It's not realistic. And it's like, I'd say it's like 75% of the media they put out nowadays is they always just like, well, you know what? The best way to end this is just tie it up in a neat little bow. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so much more like, I don't know, engaging when they don't do that because mm-hmm. it just makes you talk about it. You know, when you when you have it tied up in a neat bow, what do you talk about when the show's over or the book's over? Like you just say, okay, they everything's fine. It's all resolved. When there's a lack of resolution is when there's more discussion that can be had. Mm-hmm. You know? And what would sci-fi be without more discussion? Right? So. What, where would we be right now without it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, I believe in the movie, too. At some point, he meets a woman and her child. So he's not even alone the whole and time. And that's the thing. <laughs> it's like the book is so about this man's, like forced solitude. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's that point where the woman, the vampire woman flashes him and it's like this huge dilemma because he's so alone. He's so alone. And like the whole time the the I Am Legend movie is about him and his dog, him searching for other people, him finding another person. And it's just so not what the point of the book was. The book was about this claustrophobic isolation mm-hmm. because... The society as he knew it is gone. And it's just so different. And I think, again, it just made it so much more powerful for them to force, I guess, and that's a good way to think about some sci-fi topics in general. It forces uncomfortable topics onto you. You know, I guess the world ending is uncomfortable enough. (laughs) But, you know, it felt like there was still, like, outs for Will Smith in the movie. Like, he was allowed to have his his old life back. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes that's not the case, right? Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like that there's eventualities or stories where the world is destroyed and you just like, that's it. Yeah. It's pretty, I I get more out of those stories. Mm -hmm. I agree. And even the setting too, he's isolated in this house. He was definitely some type of suburbia and Will Smith was in the city. So true. And that makes a huge difference. You can't go as far to get to as many places in suburbia. And it felt more like... I'd say disturbing that in it, you know, Will Smith was in a city and I feel like part of like how you feel when you're in a big city is you feel like detached or a little removed. Like you don't know any of these people. They're all strangers. Who cares? Like the point in I am legend is the vampire that taunts him and tortures him to come outside and just end it all is his neighbor. It is his neighbor. And he knows he was his neighbor. And it's like this 
I guess, almost small town feel that he's just surrounded by all these people that are no longer the people he once knew. And so it just gives you this completely different feeling. It's almost like a cozy claustrophobia. Mm -hmm. And it's just so unique. And I think maybe that was one of the bigger gripes we had with the movie in general was it felt Hollywood whitewashed. It just felt like, okay, well, we've got this super interesting story. Let's just paint over it with your classic zombie trope and a happy ending. It's like, man... It could have been so much better. It could have been so much better. Or just name the stupid movie something else. Seriously, I think if I would have seen that movie with a completely different title, I would have nothing wrong to say about it. I agree. It at all. I, I mean, would love to know the only gripe would be the dog. It would be right, <laughs> right. And then you like, Poor wow, dog. What an excellent movie. But like because they took they kind of tried to morph our favorite novel, it's like, well, damn it, come on. Like why? <laughs> I would just love to know the reasoning why. And you know what's even so crazy is you made the point that you know, we were. It's an in, intelligent vampire, and then these unintel like, like zombies. Feral. But it's even worse than that because he could see who they were. He knew that was his neighbor. It's a vampire. They look the same. Right. Like they, they. Right. You don't. I mean, you know, you definitely get Pale more monstrous water, yeah. and you get the teeth or whatever. But you can still tell who it is. In the movie, not only are they zombie-like, they completely change into... They all look the same. They're all this one form. They really look like... Um, and I guess that's a, a subject we haven't really breached, but that probably is something we'll end up covering on the show, is sci-fi video games. Mm-hmm. What they look like is they look like feral ghouls from Fallout. Yeah. And it's like, that's just so... To the core... Like, I guess your your main, like, you know, conflict in this entire story are these... Zombies slash vampires, which it should be vampires, and like in one case, they're one completely different thing, completely intelligent, taunting him, all that kind of thing, and in the other, they're literally feral ghouls, which are like, you know, even less than zombies in the universe of Fallout. So it's like, you know, how do you, how did you get so disconnected? It is interesting. We should uh, write a letter to Hollywood. Yeah, we should. Addressed to I mean, I can see if this was a totally different movie. Why they would want to take a spin on the zombies, and you know, so many people do that. Like, oh, how do I shoot my mom now that she's a zombie? Classic. You know, so maybe they were trying to stray away from that. But why with this movie? I mean, it was a weird choice. Yeah. It almost makes you wonder. Like, did they start filming like a different version? And they're like, you know what? Nah, this is a Will Smith film. We need to make it like popularized. You know? (laughs) Maybe I don't know. You always wonder. So if we dive more into the movie. The summary of that is they are trying to cure cancer, and they come up with the serum, and the serum is what turns them into these creatures. So they, that really adds a third element. So you've got the original vampire. So how do they emulate the vampires of the original novel, I Am Legend? Well, they can't come out during the daylight. Okay, so we've got that. That's really the only thing they have in common with a vampire. The zombie thing is that they're totally um, just... There's no brain. I mean, there's, that's why zombies eat brains. They don't they're animals. They're feral. animals. They're feral. Thank you. And so you've got the zombie element. And then you've got this other element of the serum, which makes every single being look the same. I mean, I, I don't know how they would explain that if you were to sit them down and say, scientifically, how did that happen? Right. But the serum, you're assuming in the movie that the serum causes all individuals that took the serum to eventually morph. And shitty and- yeah. They morph yeah. into this exact same creature. Right. They all look the same. There's no identifiers. I think what's so weird about it for me is they still hint. There's the set of scenes in the movie 
where they he keeps finding the mannequins. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they hint that these things are intelligent, but then anytime he interacts with them, it's like a pack of dogs. It's like a pack of dogs. And it just makes no sense. It really doesn't. And I think, I don't know, that's what's so confusing, is they kind of almost couldn't decide. Mm-hmm. They couldn't decide I where they that. wanted to draw the line of the intelligence of the enemies. Like, they went from trying to make it unique or something to just, you literally took three different ideas and turned them in this one that makes no sense. Right, because at the end of the day, the whole, like, whether it's a cure or a virus, like the medically induced apocalypse, that's a pretty classic trope. Yeah. So they kind of just, like, rolled this into, like, a... A sci-fi burrito of, of subjects. It was. <laughs> it was a really weird sci-fi burrito. And the burrito is the skin of what these creatures look like now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a cool... Like, I liked the concept of the serum. But again, it's a totally different flipping story. To me, like, the only true... And the only reason I'll say this is because... This is mentioned probably within the first 50 pages of the book and the first half hour of the movie. Like, the only real, like true connection in Will Smith's character and the character in the novel is that they lose their wife and child. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, right. kind of the reason that they're, like, emotionally the same. And I think, in a way, they tried to p- portray Will Smith as isolated. You know, when he, like, sleeps... When he sleeps in the tub with the machine gun alone, and he's, like, so, like, what do I do? They really tried to portray that, and it's that's why I feel like they... They had this concept and then it, it got changed mm-hmm. because it seems like they really were trying to be true to the novel, but for whatever reason, they just decided to make the actual overarching story totally different. Totally different. Spun yeah. out of control. And the book, while it is diary entry-esque, it tells the story based on the elements around him and and the actions he's performing, while is the story of Will Smith's isolation is just like literally watching him be sad. It is. It's like, <laughs> it's so about, like, and I feel like some they of that... They took out some of the art for me. Some of that lends to the fact that one's a book and one's a movie. True, but... But it just seems like you're right, that, like, in the novel, especially since it's, unless he's going out and killing vampires, he's, like, in this house, and they make it about the music he's listening to, the the drinks he's drinking, the, the sounds of the vampires. His daily the tasks. His, yeah, it's to- like... It's, like, Protect so himself. about just, like, him trying to survive, as opposed to, I think, Will Smith in the movie, for very long, is, like, trying, I think he's a doctor in the movie, and he, like, is trying to, like, solve it. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, you know what? And that lends to the fact that, like, I don't like the mushy ending. Like, so what? This guy might not be able to, the last, the last guy on Earth may be not able to uh, <laughs> yeah. solve this crazy problem. Shocking. Like, you know, it's pretty convenient that there's a doctor that researches cancer that is the last one left. (laughs) Seriously, though. And that's what was so cool about the the book is it just seems like it's this guy. It's just this average guy. Mm -hmm. There's nothing special about him. He's just the one left. Yep. What's fascinating when you think of, we love taking sci-fi and applying it to life, seeing it how it could be real. I mean, that's a lot of what sci-fi is, whether it's post-apocalyptic or not is, can this be applied to my world? I mean, if it's science-based, then there's a possibility that it can be. And, and that's that what's so... likely was the inspiration. Yeah, and that's what's so mind-blowing about sci-fi that can get you wrapped up in it is because it could happen. That's always the fear. It always borders on reality. Right. And what's so different about these two works is that I feel like they tell a realistic story in two different ways. So to me, the book applies to reality, 
because it really it tells the true story of one man and what he would be going through. It maybe, that should happen, right? Yeah. Maybe it'd be a little different now because it was the time period was the '70s, so now we would obviously have a few differences. Right. But it really just tells what it would be like to be in freaking suburbia during the apocalypse, and you are isolated in your house, and your wife and child have been dead, and what are you doing? Daily tasks to survive, man. Um, while as in the movie, while I think it's completely unrealistic. I believe the cause of the apocalypse is more realistic because the book is the book is straight up vampires. The book is so like I guess they essentially allude it to being a disease like the Black Plague. Yeah, but like it's vampirism. Like yeah, it's really like they're just basically saying, (laughs) "Yep, vampirism got out. Like it just happened." And maybe that's why the movie you know changed. I get why they changed it a little. They just changed it too much and couldn't pick a topic. Right, but. While the while the book portrays a more realistic output on how we would really act in that situation, and that's why it's so empowering, the movie can be empowering because even though Will Smith's actions are totally ridiculous, the cause of the apocalypse yeah. is more. I mean, and I think maybe that's why I'm angry because there, there's only so long that the cause can stick with you. Like, okay, we tried to cure cancer, we came up with a serum, it fucked up. And you're like, wow, that's interesting. And then you move on. While as the book sticks with you. Yeah. But you know, I it's know. Almost like both the, are realistic in their different ways. Well, it's weird because it's almost like the more unrealistic cause sticks with you more because it it's like, what if that happened? Like, mm-hmm. like if it's a realistic esque cause, like the serum in the movie, you start thinking like, oh yeah, that could happen, and then you kind of just put it away. Yeah. When you accept that it's a possibility, you kind of just say, okay, well. Yeah, I guess that could happen. I accept that. Let's watch the rest of the movie. I guess in the book, the whole time you're reading, you're like, wow, this is crazy. This is crazy. I can't believe this is the world that has become. Mm-hmm. And that is almost more entertaining. It's almost yep. the weirder it is, the more you get drawn in. Because I then agree. they still keep it human through the keeping it through this guy's, the lens of the, his eyes. They keep it human, but it's still crazy on the outside. Yeah, and that takes talent to keep it human while there's still all this sci-fi stuff going on. I mean, really, those are, yeah. I think when I when I watch, the only way the cause really hits me in sci-fi, I think if they would have done the movie where you don't find out the because the intro of the movie it's is like, like new, new stuff, yeah, yeah, of how I this is happening. I, didn't like that either. I think when they take that realistic thing. The only way it works for the formula is when they take that realistic thing and put it at the end. So either you have to start off with this human person in this crazy world and you're, you're looking at the lens from the human so you accept the crazy, or you have to just make it absolute, like you either introduce the human first or you introduce the crazy first. So if they would have introduced the crazy first and then at the end been like, and this whole time it was all because of this, you know what? then it would have impacted what, me more. The way you're describing it, the movie was too spoon fed. Yeah. They literally just said, here's what's happening. Here's what he's going through. Here's what he's trying to do and resolution. The yeah. book feels so much more chaotic. Mm-hmm. It feels like he is struggling every day to simultaneously not kill himself and lose his mind and stay alive. Yeah. And it feels so much more that you don't know what's going to happen. And I think the genres of mystery and sci-fi play off each other so much. I mean, this has its own element of mystery. shows like Stranger Things. It's all about the mystery of it. It's all about, can you figure out what this twist on reality they've put 
with their science subject or concept. Yeah, and they gave us a twist at the very beginning. Yeah, so it was just like, okay. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, now I understand. And he wasn't on. a powerful enough character, like the novel, to make me interested in his story. Like, it just didn't... I Almost, know. I think, they portrayed him as too powerful. Yeah, he, I agree. He had this, like, sophisticated lab where he was doing this research on these animals or people or zombies or whatever they were. <laughs> and... It almost felt like he was too capable. I'm like, man, where did he get these M16s? And his, you know, like it was just kind of like I almost wanted to see him struggle more. I guess the only yeah. true struggle he had was violence and emotional in terms of his like wife and kids and loneliness. Where in the book, he's like he's struggling with like his internal emotions of whether or not he wants to do this anymore because he's being taunted every day by his vampire neighbor to just give up. I mean, it's just such a different... And that's honestly, that's a huge part of it too. In the movie, he doesn't talk to anyone. The whole There's a whole scene where he's like, there's all these mannequins and he talks to them in a movie store. Mm -hmm. In the book, he's talking to these vampires. Yeah. He's being spoken to by them. He's being flashed by them and taunted by Through them. Through this little tiny people. Yeah. Not I even mean, a real it's just, it's just so different. It is so different. And again, I, I believe the cause more in the movie. I believe, I mean, that really, I really did like that idea. was that this cancer, like this right. antidote, I keep saying serum, but antidote would be the proper word. Um... For cancer is what caught, because that just, oh, that's so real world hitting. But they just, they spoon fed it, and his character development wasn't good enough, and that was also spoon fed. They they couldn't decide on the creatures, and they couldn't decide on the story. I mean, it was partially sci-fi, but it was partially just like a Will Smith action film. It so felt <laughs> like, and I said this to someone after I finished the movie, it felt like they could have written five different endings and just, like, plopped them on the end of the story, and it all would have made sense. Yeah. Like, and that, I won't say the ending, because I'm sure not everyone has seen this movie, but it just feels like at the end of the movie, you're like, okay. Yeah. That, that seems like one of the classic ways to end a zombie movie is they choose this avenue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the book feels so, like, it feels savage. The way they end the savage. book feels yeah. absolutely just brutal. They're just like... We're not going to give the reader any sense of, it's all going to be okay. No, it's, it is the way it is. Yep. <laughs> it sucks. And for sci-fi, I feel like that's a huge part of the actual sci-fi genre, is that... Embrace the void. Right. And you have to embrace the void. And... There's nothing wrong with shit getting really bad. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> and also that... Like, the... Mo the most interesting part of the I Am Legend movie is this concept that it's that it's the antidote for cancer that causes this. Right. And then it's done. It give, they give it to you. You literally don't need to watch the rest of the movie. You could go watch any zombie action film and get the same result. The most beginning, con the interesting concept is the very beginning. And they just and, don't, besides the little bit of research he does, which really doesn't even pertain to the cancer element, he's just trying to find out why it happened. They just don't even really address it. So, you know, they just kind of plop it out there and let it go. And it, right. if for us, as people who realized that they were taking some creative license and made the monsters different, it was like, well, you didn't even really develop your unique plot very well. Not at all. And that ruin, that to me, that ruins the whole point of the sci-fi genre is the mystery. 
there's no mystery. There's no mystery. Like if you really want a true, I don't feel like, I feel like the only true sci-fi element to that movie is the very beginning. And then you're like, cool, I and learned it. Not I even, it's this. not even necessary that you have to have true mystery, but you have to have some level of intrigue. Yeah. You just have to make me take a second, like yeah. one time. And there's no and intrigue in the movie. And, think. and it just didn't feel like there was any intrigue. There wasn't any point where you were like, not in the sense of an action moment, like when they leave the mannequins out. Of course, you're like, what's going on? But there was no calm moment where you still were like, what the hell just happened? And that, to me, is is like the core of what science fiction does for me. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So I think we can sum up that we recommend the book. <laughs> read, read the book. Movie's not bad. Movie's not bad, but... But it just should be its own movie. The, the literally the intro is telling you the coolest part so there you go you can literally watch any zombie movie um but we definitely recommend that you pick up i am legend by richard matheson it's not too long of a read which is nice as well and, and if you have a chance to find the copy with the short stories at the end of it i believe the book cover looks like a bunch of vampires mm -hmm. kind of coming towards you yep so that we recommend highly but if you could just get the chance to read the book alone it really is an amazing read. It's fascinating. So please join us next week when we cover the latest sci-fi pop culture explosion, because how can we not? Stranger Things. Let's be real. We have to cover Stranger Things. No choice. <laughs> I have to finish the last few episodes first. <laughs> well, with that, I think we're ready to sign off. So remember, until next week, explore the unknown and embrace the extraordinary.